Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes podcast, and I'm Kyle Krabs, back solo again. Surprise! You guys are stuck with me and only me for another day here on the Draft Dudes, but that's all right because we're at Hump Day. You know the week is all downhill from here, and we're going to talk about everybody's favorite position today on the show: quarterbacks. And we're going to talk about traits for quarterbacks and what's important to me, how I look for these things. And, and contextualizing how you see these things play out on film. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, I know we keep promising SEC uh, divisional breakdown for you guys, and we will get that uh, when Joe is back from his hiatus from the show. I think he's just sick of me, you know? Uh, usually the summer's a time for, for uh, time away from one another, and uh, Joe and I really never let the foot off the gas, so... I think he's just milking this time away and uh, enjoying a couple of days without having to listen to me uh, ramble on for the podcast. So, uh, Joe, if you're listening, you know, I hope you're enjoying your time away. Uh, don't have too much fun without us, and we look forward to having you back on Friday's show. Today, uh, I have a couple of administrative things that I... I thought about making a show about, and I'm not quite ready to get into them yet, so I do want to tease them here at the top of the show. The first and foremost is I have been doing a statistic analysis of my physical size and athleticism rating uh, that I've been using to evaluate players in size and athleticism. This is a, a tool that was new to me last year, and the way that I came up with it is I combined 
a, a size measure, which is based off of historical data, looking at every player that passes through the combine and what their uh, personal size measurements are in relation to the historical context of players at that same position. And an athletic measurement, which is taken the same way. It's a historical context piece looking at uh, how a player tests in specific tests in which I deem to be relevant based on functional applications and uh, grading them based on uh, standard deviations away from an average score uh, in those tests. You put those things together, you put them through this formula that I've crafted, you have physical size and athleticism rating. It is something that um, I've been working on this summer looking at every draft class since I started NDT Scouting back in 2014. And now we have 14, 15, 16, and 17. Four draft classes, over 1,000 players for a player pool. And I've been looking for correlations and, and statistical significance. And dare I say... I have found some statistical correlations between a player's physical size and athleticism rating and their uh, draft status. And that's something I'm not quite ready to to totally pull the hood off yet. Uh, But just know that's something that's kind of in the works. I'm continuing to, to just really deep dive into that those numbers and this player pool and find as many correlations as I can to really help this stand up. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Let's talk about traits that are relevant to the quarterback position, how to scout them, what you're looking for. And I think some of this really just comes down to your own personal vindications on on what you think are important. Obviously, uh, intelligence of the game and understanding how the game works. and uh, These things are important because it helps you prioritize where your eyes should look. For me, I look at 10 quarterback traits. I try to keep them with some overlap. I would rather be a little too vague than a little too specific and miss out on the opportunity to cover any contacts that I may find when I'm watching a specific player. So what that means, uh, I list my traits for the quarterback position ranked from most important to least important. They go in tiers. So this is not a one through ten. I have three or four different tiers uh, for the traits and how important they are. Those traits are arm accuracy, decision making, progressions, anticipation, poise, arm strength, pocket awareness, throwing mechanics, passing footwork, and running ability. So that means running ability is more of an icing on the cake. If he can extend plays with his legs, if he can run and beat man coverage uh, by getting up the field with athleticism and pick up chunk yardage on his own, that's great. But in the purest form of running an offense, it is by and large a secondary thing that I'm looking for. Uh, My three must-haves, I cannot operate without a quarterback that can do X, Y, and Z. Arm accuracy, decision-making, and progressions. If you don't show this thought process at an NFL level between the ears, and you cannot work with pinpoint accuracy, uh, that is going to hurt your evaluation significantly when I'm looking at your film. 
So if you think about players uh, that I have liked and, and I like right now, such as Sam Darnold being my top eligible QB, a lot of what makes him stand out to me is the between-the-ear stuff, the decision-making and the progression work that he shows. Those two things are must-haves in my personal scale of quarterback traits. So that is, by and large, a large reason why you're seeing him consistently be the name that I draw myself back to. Uh, Let's work through each one of these. I will try my best to give you guys some good examples of uh, each trait and, and how they're applied Uh, So arm accuracy. Accuracy is more than just completion percentage. And I know uh, for many of you listening, that may seem like common sense. Um, It extends beyond accuracy with throws and completions and extends into uh, your ball placement at the catch point. So I can throw the ball deep and push the ball plenty, plenty down the field. But if my receiver has to come to a stop and address the ball when he's separated by two or three yards, that's not an accurate pass. So that pass may go for 40, 50 yards in the box score. But that is not a positive pass in the context that you hit him in stride. He is walking into the end zone. Um, Accuracy can also be dictated by rhythm. And, And I'm a big proponent of this. Um, you see guys like Brad Kai is a great example from last year. He was a, a rhythm passer when he was drop back, back foot, hits the ground, decision is made and the ball comes out, and that all happens very fluid. Uh, that is where Kai was at his best. But, you know, as soon as the script is flipped away from exactly what you're expecting to see, then you see Kaya kind of break down. And and this is where it's important to talk about overlap with traits. The ball placement and accuracy goes out the window. And a lot of that also has to do with what my fifth positional trait is, which is poise, the ability to stand in the pocket, be calm with chaos around you, and make accurate decisions and stay true to your throwing platform. Kaya struggled with that. I think another guy that struggled with that was Deshaun Watson, who actually finished as my uh, QB1 last year by a moderate margin, but not a huge margin over Mitch Trubisky. I had first-round grades on both these guys. Watson was actually my fourth overall player in 2017. His arm accuracy summary reads as follows. Can get out of rhythm and not accurately place throws into the intermediates. Prone to overthrowing vertical throws. When in rhythm, has dominating stretches of pinpoint accuracy and is capable of threading needles into tight coverage to all levels. So, how do you quantify that? As somebody who's trying to assess the tape, the way that I attack each and every one of these traits is I'll say a a perfect score, 100% is just outrageously good. 90% is very good. 80% is good. 70% is average. 60% is below average. 50% is terrible. I give each one of these traits a number and I quantify them that way. And that helps me keep myself honest instead of just arbitrarily putting a round value on a player based on what my specific notes are. Each one is weighted appropriately because I feel some of these traits are more important than others. They are given a percentage of the points eligible 
for each trait, you add them up, divide it by whatever your, your total number is out of, and boom, there's your film assessment score. Then it's up to you to dictate you know, how your scale works and work from there. Uh, Watson, for me, those dominating stretches really helped him. You, know, you get concerned when you see a guy that gets out of rhythm and uh, will overthrow down the field and is prone to when he tries to push the ball down the field, uh, kind of putting too much air on the ball and letting it float. Uh, this can be another crossover straight from arm accuracy into arm strength. Reading Watson, again, his assessment. Has the strength to push the throws into any area of the field effectively. Does not need to have body striding into throws in order to get zip. Deep passes have nice arc but and do not flutter or float to targets. Can beat contested routes with quick delivery and pace. So, Watson, I think, was somebody who scored with good arm strength for me. But I didn't think he had great arm strength. You look at uh, Josh Allen, for example. He does not have that caliber of arm. So when he's overthrowing deep passes, some of this is timing. Some of this is natural placement down the field. I didn't feel as though Watson had an arm deficiency with his strength. So that means just his placement in the deeper areas of the field can be troublesome which is why you either need to have an alpha on the boundary for him to work to, which he does in New Hopkins, or you need to play in a West Coast-style offense and let him distribute in the shorter intermediate areas of the ball. Decision-making, number two. This one can be difficult because there's a lot of things that happen in live action and a lot of calls that we're not familiar with. But by and large, you can look at all 22, watch how the defense lines up, Watch where the quarterback's eyes go first. Watch the route combinations. And know he shouldn't have thrown the ball there. And a lot of that gets amplified when you're looking at a quarterback operating under pressure. Uh, So I'd like to read this from Mitch Trubisky's decision-making assessment, which is one of the traits that hurt him the most because he was green as a starting quarterback. Decision-making, Mitch Trubisky is still learning what he can and can't get away with. Will get trapped versus zone at times, but by and large does well to process the full field of play when surveying multiple layers. Will take tight throws into coverage, trusts receivers to make plays. Shows control at the line of scrimmage. So you can see that I've extrapolated more than simply makes good decisions, takes care of the ball. How does he work at the line of scrimmage? Is he making calls? Is he directing teammates? Is he able to audible at the line of scrimmage? If you are not able to change plays at the line of scrimmage, it will cripple your offense. You you don't have to look any further than Joe Philbin's era with the Miami Dolphins, in which they did not trust Ryan Tannehill to change plays at the line of scrimmage. This was also a team that had uh, one hut is run and two hut is pass which is just incredibly elementary. You would think the teams would pick up on that, and a lot of times they did. But you would think they would have the self-awareness to understand that this restriction on their offense is really hindering their ability to pass the ball and play effectively. So decision-making can be, are you smart with your chances? Do you see that you have a guy in one-on-one coverage and you're still going to throw it to him? because you trust him and you put the ball in a correct spot to his back shoulder or up over top of his head and let him make a play? Are you controlling the game at the line of scrimmage? Are you looking to change protection and protect yourself from blitz? Do you see where the blitz is coming from? 
you replace the blitz with the ball quickly on, on reps in which you're not trying to press for 15 yards at once. Um, this game awareness is kind of dribbles down a little bit into poise, but, but understanding game situations, understanding what a defense is trying to do, being smart after the snap and controlling those situations is why decision-making is a premier trait for me. Because if you can't do that, then you're going to miss the easy stuff that should be elementary that's going to beat defenses just by taking what they give you. What does your morning sound like? Goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Progressions. Uh, progressions is something that I've really found myself coveting more and more and more as I get more and more coaches all 22 tape. It's difficult to appreciate progressions when you are not seeing the back end angle. This can be expanded even further beyond progressions into eye movement, eye manipulation. Marcus Mariota is a great example of this as somebody who manipulated safeties with his eyes where he was looking for the uh, for defenders to hold them and create throwing lanes for him to throw the ball. There's the play down in the red zone. Mariota was at Tennessee, and he stares right at a safety and freezes him dead in his tracks before he proceeds to throw the ball directly behind that defender without even looking away. And that, to me, is one of my favorite examples of not just progression, but eye manipulation, which to me falls into this more vague category. Uh, progressions for Trubisky reminds me a lot of what a lot of folks said about Derek Carr when Derek Carr was coming out, coming out of Fresno State. To, for example, progressions for Mitch Trubisky from last year's report. Offense features a high volume of quick screens and smoke throws yet does very well with working all levels of the field, capable of processing out of peripherals while holding safety or linebacker with eyes set in the middle of the field. Crisp working through reads. Okay, so things to unpack here. Back to that eye manipulation and eye movement and understanding defenders are going to move where your eyes look. Trubisky did a nice job with this. I think he got uh, a bum rap for this throughout the draft process because so many of his throws were snap, hitch, and throw. Get the ball out quick. Get it out to guys in the flat. Get it to your playmakers. Let them make moves. Um, but there were times, and this gets back into decision-making with Trubisky, where he would dial in on a primary read and get trapped with coverage, throw right into a squatting defender, and uh, throw an interception. And I think the Stanford game, he had a couple throws that were great illustrations of that. But by and large, you see his eyes checking from right, middle, left. And this is all in his drop. And you're seeing with enough frequency that it got me really excited about his potential um, and, and his ability to play upwards into an NFL scheme and find success with it. My third-rated quarterback was Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes is somebody who my biggest issue with him was the progressions that he did and did not make at Texas Tech. For example, 
His progressions summary reads as follows. Does not appear to regularly read field of play from multiple defenders. Targets are dictated by deep middle of the field and pre-snap coverage. Will need to prove capable in processing full field route concepts with consistency and timing. Uh, the timing is the big thing here. Timing con- kind of involves anticipation as well. Working on your pass drop, having that decision made when the back foot hits the ground. And this was something that we've already talked about with Brad Kai. When Brad Kai did this, he was very difficult to stop. But when teams were able to take away those progressions in order, and he ticks through and his foot hits the ground, and he's gone through one, two, and three, and then there's not an open throw, just the whole world crumbles down around him. Uh, Mahomes is kind of the polar opposite of this. He'd love to get back on his drop and just sit and survey the pocket to the point where he's he looks like Tom Brady. And it's not to say it cannot work, but it's very difficult for that to be sustained, especially when you're stemming from a wide-open offense like this. And I think him going to Andy Reid is going to benefit him, and I think it's going to challenge him. Because he's not used to having Andy is very traditionally a West Coast-style offense. Now, you saw when Terrell Owens was in Philadelphia. They opened up the vertical game. So they're not afraid to take those shots. And they have a vertical guy in Tyreek Hill who I think once Mahomes finds playing time will be very successful with. And Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field is going to be a very difficult mismatch type of guy. But um, Mahomes, the offense is going to be preached around timing. Get the ball out on time. And I think it's a great opportunity for him to take the baseline traits that he has and grow with those and grow a deeper understanding of keeping an offense, quote-unquote, on schedule, which is what progressions are all about. So those for me are my three must-haves. Getting down into my next here, I have anticipation, poise, arm strength, pocket awareness, mechanics, footwork, and runability. There's, that's actually the remaining seven categories. I don't want to touch on all these just because uh, we are getting into it a little bit here on the show. So uh, anticipation, throwing to a spot. This can be against man or against zone. You know, do not be fooled in thinking that anticipation throws are only throws in which you're throwing into a hole in zone coverage. Uh, anticipation throws can be throwing at the top of a deep comeback pattern. When the receiver still has his back to you and you're throwing at his numbers, and you're throwing outside the receiver into the boundary to ensure that defensive back is not going to come across his face and challenge the ball in front of him, and before he flips his eyes around, you are throwing to a spot, trusting your receiver is going to work back into the football. And again, a throw like that, a deep comeback pattern, and working especially from the far sticks. So if you're throwing to the far side of the field, deep comeback pattern, letting your receiver work back to the ball, this implements arm strength, arm accuracy, and anticipation. Because you have to accurately place that ball outside. That ball is inside, and that ball is late. That ball is six going the other way. So you have to drive that throw. You have to throw it, for example, at the first down marker. It's third and 12. You're on the right hash. The ball's going to the left sideline. You've got to get back. You've got to drive that ball with confidence at the first down stick. Because that receiver's pushing beyond the first down marker, working back, can catch that ball right on the sideline, but you need to throw it shaded out of bounds. Do not throw it back inside of the numbers because that's six going the other way. So that looks at accuracy, strength, 
and anticipation because if that ball's late, that ball's broken up. So that is a great throw. If you're looking for a single throw to really quantify, okay, this is a great way to look for NFL traits in a quarterback. If he can throw the far hash deep comeback pattern, you got yourself something to work with there. Poise. Poise is stepping up against rush, knowing your offensive tackle is beat, sliding up at the pocket, and controlling those situations. Understanding, okay, I have a rusher that's bearing down on me. I can move laterally, but if I move too soon, he's going to mirror me. So it's staring down the barrel of the gun, waiting until the last possible second, and then sliding out of the way, avoiding the rush. Or holding on to that ball until the last possible second because you're waiting for that receiver to get to the top of his route before he breaks outside. Push past the first down marker and break out into the flat and open space. And you got to hold that ball, wait, 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 and then throw. Because if that ball comes out early, you're going to take heat off the ball. You're going to put more arc on the ball. It's going to come in soft. And the defender's going to have a chance to work his eyes back around and identify the football. You are exponentially increasing your risk with an early thrown ball on those types of situations because what if there's a corner squatting? He's he's carried a vertical stem. You've got twins to the right. You've got a slot receiver, and then you've got a, a boundary receiver. That boundary receiver runs that vertical route to clear that zone coverage. But that corner, what if that corner in zone coverage sits and his eyes are in the backfield and that ball has to come out soft when you're trying to hit that out pattern in the slot for a first down? That corner is now going to have the opportunity if you throw that ball earlier than you need to because you see a guy that's bearing down on you and you don't want to get hit uh, that corner is going to have an opportunity to step forward cut that pass off and again challenge the football and it's all about minimizing the opportunities for defenders to touch the football you got to be smart with your chances you got to understand you're going to get hit and Mahomes (laughs) guy never saw play couldn't make it was for better or for worse. It was the, the best and worst trait about him. He oozed confidence. Confidence in his arm. Uh, he came back from turnovers very quickly and let, let passes rip all over again. Uh, I thought he did a very good job in chaotic pockets. He had some Manziel in him as far as you know, holding on and making things happen after rushers bear down on him and then getting the ball out, working off script. Baker Mayfield's another great example of this at Oklahoma, a guy that works almost as good, if not as good, off script as he works on script. Now, that's difficult to sustain, but I love seeing that trait, a guy that's not afraid, doesn't play afraid, plays with control, plays with patience, and is confident in his ability to make throws. Arm strength. Arm strength is my favorite thing to talk about with quarterbacks because it's so wildly misconceived. Everybody thinks uh, if guy's 6'5 and with a big arm, uh, he's going to be a lock to be a great pocket passer. It's just not true. It's, it's, there's more to arm strength, and I think this is very important for people to take away. There's more to arm strength than just how far can you throw the football. Can you drive the football? Can you put velocity on the throw and get it there in a hurry? Can you throw it? Uh, I forget who it was, but somebody had the analogy, and I absolutely loved it. It's car wash throw. It's a throw that you throw through the car wash, and it gets through with perfect placement and heat 
that that ball comes out the other side and it's not even wet. Think about that concept, you know, the drive-through car washes. It's a big open tunnel, and there's so many things going at once, and they're moving in and out, and you see the target on the other side of all these moving parts, all these defenders between you and your target in the window you're trying to throw the ball. And you drive that ball, hammer it through that window. The ability to drive a ball is more important than how far vertically down the field you can throw a ball. And that's something, again, I think people misconceive. People say, oh, so-and-so can throw the ball 65 yards down the field. His arm strength's great. No. I want to see, again, going back to that far hash comeback pattern, I want to see that ball leave the quarterback's hand, stay flat, and travel on as flat of a trajectory as it can before it greets the receiver. Because if that ball, Cody Kessler is a great example of this with the Cleveland Browns now. He throws with timing and anticipation. And I really like that about Cody. But his physical traits really hinder his ability to play at a high level. Because those throws for him at the Senior Bowl, for example, when I was at the Senior Bowl, standing back behind the quarterbacks trying to throw the ball, there was a notable lag in time and loft and arc on his comeback throws. And those throws with that float, if you don't push that hard, that is when you're going to have your passes challenged at the boundary. And Kessler, I think that's he's a great encapsulation of he simply does not have the baseline arm strength to be a high-end starter in the NFL. The last thing I want to talk about here, we have pocket awareness, mechanics, footwork, and runability. Runability is pretty straightforward. Can you slip past the defenders and make things happen with your feet if you can great that is such a a tremendous weapon to have especially against blitzing teams who like to play a lot of man coverage defenders have their eyes turned away from the line of scrimmage you slip past and break the pocket you're going to get yards i want to talk about footwork footwork to me is important for a number of reasons it gets back into again progressions and timing get the ball out on time footwork I think a lot of people take for granted because a lot of your pass drops, your three-step drop, your five-step drop, your seven-step drop, these are all paired with the routes that you're running so that when your back foot hits on step three or step five or step seven, your primary read should be hitting his break at that point. That ball should be out. There's three, five, and seven. There's three, five, and seven with a hitch. So that hitch is that additional split second to gather into your throw before you release the ball. The other thing about footwork is weight transfer, and this is something that we've seen issues with Blake Bortles, Paxton Lynch. Um, I thought Deshaun Kaiser struggled with this. Uh, during his time at Notre Dame, and you saw him also struggle with this at Cleveland uh, in the preseason game, even though I thought he was far and away the best quarterback to play for the Browns. Um, The feet for Kaiser were too wide. The feet for Bortles back in college, and even still, were too narrow. If your base is not right, you cannot get your weight off of your back foot as it strikes the ground into your front foot which then allows your hips to rotate through, carry your shoulders through. You throw with your legs. You don't throw with your upper body. As counterintuitive as that may seem, think about a pitcher. 
when a pitcher's on the pitcher's mound and he comes through his follow-through, all of his power and torque is generated through the ground because he's transferring his weight forward onto the front foot, swinging his hips through, and his shoulders follow, and he finishes in that fully extended position. Quarterback is no different. You have to be balanced. You have to be able to transition your weight from back foot to front foot. And once the weight gets into the front foot, you have to carry your hips through. And if your base is too narrow, you simply do not have the ability to push the weight forward, which means you're going to struggle at times to get on top of the ball, and the ball is going to go high on you. If your stride is too long, then you simply don't, you're handcuffing your rotation, which is going to severely inhibit your ability to accurately throw the football. So I hope this was insightful for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I know the last time I did an X's and O style, we talked about receivers and the different kinds of receivers and how they're relevant. Uh, If you missed that podcast, please feel free to go back, check the archives. You can do so on NET Scouting, FanRag, iTunes. You know, There's plenty of different ways that you guys can access our archives. We're up to 80 one episodes of the draft dudes, which is just awesome. You know, we, we did locked on for a while. We did over a hundred episodes with locked on. We started that in September of last year. Uh, we switched over in January to draft dudes. We've now done over 80 episodes, uh, by the time the draft or I'm sorry, the season opener comes around, I believe we'll, me and Joe will have done 200 podcast episodes, um, in one calendar year, uh, Joe is getting docked, too, for the start of this week, sorry to say. Um, But this has been uh, quite a fun first year of podcasting for me and Joe. So if you have been listening from the beginning, if you have listened at all, thank you guys so much. Uh, Please feel free to leave us a review. Let us know how we are doing. Let us know what you think of the topics we're bringing to the table. Today's X's and O's on quarterback traits, for example. It's all very valuable for us to know what you as the listeners think of the show that we are putting together. Uh, I am Kyle Krabs, founder and director of scouting and NDT Scouting, NFL Draft and NFL analyst for FanRagSports.com. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast, and I mean it this time. We'll be back on Friday to talk about the SEC. Enjoy your hump day, everybody. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 